when I started illustrating again, it was because I was frustrated and also because, you know, I had things that I wanted to express and I, I just couldn't express them with words. And so it was just, you know, the outlet that I found. conversations about the work behind the work with diverse artists from all over the globe. My name is Ruby Josephine Smith, and not only am I the creator and host of this podcast, I am a choreographer and contemporary dance artist. This is a podcast in process about process. I am not only fascinated by the creative process itself, but how to have better and more meaningful conversations about it with artists of different cultures, backgrounds, and mediums. Join me in digging deep into what it is that drives a person to make art. Hello and Ramadan Mubarak to everyone practicing this month. I am so excited about my lovely guest artist today, whose colorful work I discovered a little over a year ago on Instagram. Sakina Saidi is a French-Moroccan artist and illustrator based in London. Born and raised in France by Moroccan parents, Sakina grew up always learning about and being surrounded by different cultures and traditions. Her experiences nurtured her style and desire to represent this beautiful mix of cultures that now characterizes her personality and art. Among other things, Sakina's work focuses on the beauty and diversity of womanhood. You can find out more about her work at heyimsakina.com and also at heyimsakina on Instagram. You can also check out the show notes at processpiece.com and make sure you follow this podcast at processpiece on Instagram to get all the latest updates. In this conversation, we talk about how she was raised to pursue more practical careers, but how she eventually discovered her own purpose within the arts. She expresses how she always felt she was bad at drawing, and somehow that turned into her becoming an illustrator. And along those same lines, we also speak about artistic validation. We talk about her thoughts on art and activism, as well as exploring identity as an artist, especially coming from her multicultural background. Sakina is such a lovely, warm person, and it comes through in this conversation and through her art and process. Please enjoy this conversation with Sakina Saidi. So Sakina, welcome to Process Peace. I'm so happy to be speaking with you today. Thanks for being here. Hi, Ruby, and thank you for having me with you. It's such a pleasure to meet you finally. I've been a follower of your work for a little while now, and I just love it. But before we talk about your current work, I always like to ask the same question at the beginning, and that is, what is your first memory of creating something? So I don't have like one memory in particular, but I just remember that when I was little or like forever I've always been very like creative but maybe more in the like sort of crafty sense you know so that I I just loved doing things with my hands so I'd like to do like pottery and then drawing and baking and sewing embroidery like everything since I was little that I was always you know doing something learning you know a new craft yeah um but like never sticking to one thing I just like to jump from one to another <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely I think we all have that experience as kids just kind of trying out different things and it's play yeah and also like I like I really like to like collect like random things like you know like shiny wrappers you know from candies and like 
um, weird things as well. Like, you know, <laughs> we, if we ate walnuts, I would collect the shells and I would yeah. think I'm going to do something with them. And um, I, you know, one time I painted them as um, ladybirds. Oh, cute. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that sort of thing. I was always collecting things like shells and, you know, leaves and wrappers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so interesting because um, it's really this like noticing what's around you and just getting creative with your natural surroundings. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, always, I was always thinking, you know, oh, this is an interesting shape or like this is an interesting color. I might, you know, be able to turn it into something else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. It's interesting when I was I was, you know, doing a little bit of research about you and reading some other interviews you've done. Um, and I forgive me if I'm not getting this 100 percent correctly, but I think you said, you know, you grew up kind of with this idea that um, you didn't really see creativity and art as a career for yourself. And you didn't really have an example of what that could look like around you. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that was never on the, you know, cards for me, like. Um, yeah. My parents were immigrants, so they immigrated from Morocco to France, where I was born and I was raised. And I'm, I've been now living in London. Um, it's been like five years, but yeah, but I've you know grown and everything in France. Yeah. And you know, my parents are like working class people, and everyone around us had you know practical jobs. Right. And um, you know, even my my parents, they didn't. They didn't go very far like into studies like they don't have like a university degree like right. my mom you know she stopped studying after primary school um my wow. dad i think after middle school so you know um he was working in a warehouse and my mom she was for part of her life she was a stay-at-home mom and then she was also doing like some cleaning jobs and things like that so that's also the first job that I had was, you know, doing cleaning and things like that when I was still at school. Um, yeah. And so, like, the aspiration was to do, like, a fancy job in a way. Right. <laughs> job was basically just if you worked in an office, that was very fancy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. You know, it was never, I didn't even know, like, that it was, a, like, you could have a job. Like, obviously, you know that there mm -hmm. are artists, people like that, but. I, I didn't really imagine a creative, you know, career. Um, yeah. There was not, not that many role models. And also, you know, at school we were in, um, I mean, the the area where we grew, grew up, it was nice in a way because it was lots of immigrants and children of immigrants. And it was a good thing in a way because when you grow up, you know, being children of immigrants, you know, in, in a Western country, you might sometimes, you know, feel that you are inadequate or like not necessarily, you don't necessarily have the same references. But I grew up, you know, surrounded by lots of children of immigrants and like from uh, various, um, you know, backgrounds and countries. Yeah, that's amazing. You have that shared experience together. That was nice. But also it meant that we didn't have access to, cert you know, certain a certain representation or like to certain types of jobs just knowing that they even exist you know yeah um, you know and apart from the classic ones that certain people aspire such as you know doctor and lawyer and exactly. nurse teacher that they, they were the sort of big jobs that we would know of and that it, it meant if you work really really hard in school you you might then be able to do that but also right. I was not very 
I was good at school, but I was never ambitious. And I just mm-hmm. never knew really what my job was going to be. Yeah, that's so interesting. There's so much I want to talk about with that, because I've heard you also speak about this um, wanting to be useful um, to society. And I think that's also that kind of practicality. And I want to get more into that, into your kind of art activism, all of the stuff you do. But first, I'm just curious, um, looking back and knowing that, you know, you didn't exactly have these more kind of creative artistic references of what your work could be. Do you see maybe influences of certain artists that you did see or that you were drawn to from a young age that maybe started planting the seeds of what would later turn into a creative career? Yeah, I think so. I think definitely um, in general, but especially for me, I I really feel like I've absorbed a lot of things, you know, like growing up and that what I'm creating is like the result of everything that I was exposed to, everything that I, yeah. I saw. And it was like conscious or unconscious, but I definitely think it's, it's the result of many influences that I had in my life. And maybe it wasn't always, you know, just about, you know, going to museums, but it, it mm-hmm. could be about other things, like, you know, everyday things. And you just get in, you just register all that information and then it, yeah. it comes out, you know, into what, you are creating yeah that's what creates your voice yeah beautiful and so you you eventually did go on to study graphic design i believe um and that's really interesting how you've made that kind of transition from graphic design where you're really you're you know catering to someone else's voice and vision to then working into your creating your own voice and vision so could you talk maybe a little bit about what that transition was like for you yeah i mean already going into graphic design was like a um, big like sort of turnaround for me because yeah um, after high school I went um, to study science I went to university and I studied geology and biology um, still not knowing what I was going to do but that was just the subjects where I was you know uh, strong at like even though I was more of a literary person in the sense that you know, in the literary branch, we had like, you know, we studied like arts and obviously uh, mm-hmm. languages, etc. And I was very attracted to that. But then I had a teacher who told me that it would close me too many doors to just go into that branch mm-hmm. and that science was, would open more doors to me. Mm-hmm. So I went into science. Interesting. Yeah, because also in France, it's, uh, it's quite different, for example, from in the UK where I feel like people just study any subject that they are interested to and then mm-hmm. their job doesn't necessarily need to you know relate to the to the degree like but right. France it's almost like if your degree doesn't have the exact same title as the job that you want to apply for it's not going to happen for you so I went into science and then you know I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do I just thought mm-hmm. you know Maybe I can make myself useful by going into science because then I can become a nurse or teacher or, mm-hmm. you know, again, I didn't really have that many examples of, you know, jobs available. So that's <laughs> the two that I thought about. So I went to university and I studied that. But, you know, along the way, I just felt sort of lost. Like I enjoyed learning, but I was thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do with that because I thought I don't want to be a teacher anymore. And mm-hmm. I don't want to be a nurse because there's like that struggle between wanting to be useful and also wanting to do something that you care about or that you love. Um, and so actually what happened is that I met a friend and 
you know, at, I told him, this is what I'm doing, but actually I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what type of job I want to do. And he said, well, you know, you seem to be really creative because I was always, you know, still creative. I was like mm-hmm. um, painting and drawing and that sort of things. And he was like, yeah. you seem to be very creative. Like, why, why don't you do like graphic design? And I was like, what is graphic design? <laughs> I was very clueless. Like I honestly never heard of that before. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, then I, you know, I saw the, I just researched a little bit into that and I thought, well, that might be, the, you know, really good compromise because it is creative, mm-hmm. but also, you know, it's it's an actual job mm-hmm. because I also, uh, you know, I still have to go to my parents and say, you know, I want to do this thing. But if I go right. and I say, you know what, I want to become an artist and just, you know, be in my room and paint all day and hope for the best, they would be like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's not a practical thing to do i understand yeah so i thought graphic design seems like a really good compromise of being yeah. creative but still useful and still it's it's an actual job and mm-hmm. you have to study for it and everything so it seemed you know it seemed yeah quite reasonable <laughs> yeah so i did like an, an extra year but in a different school it was like you study for like a week and then you are you know in a sort of work placement for like three weeks yeah it was like that for a year that that year was very intense because the job that I got where I, while I was studying it was I was the only graphic designer in um like a small business that was selling things like kitchenware home accessories mm-hmm. like gadgety sort of things okay and I, I found myself doing redoing the branding and the packaging and taking the pictures and everything and yeah. I was supposed to still be learning but also there was no one else in the company that was doing anything remotely related to what I was doing so I didn't have yeah. any like creative support <laughs> yeah but like it was very intense but also I was quite happy I did it because I learned a lot by doing things myself and like you know researching and like trying again etc but it was crazy but it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. And then so what kind of prompted you to start to create your own work and your own illustration from there? So after that, I decided to move to London uh, just to like, you know, be somewhere else and like start afresh and see something different. Yeah. And I ended up working for another like small business that was doing like giftware and things like that. So it was quite similar to the first job I got in graphic design. Mm-hmm. That was a good and a bad thing because, yeah. you know, I was just a little bit frustrated to be, you know, again, creating for someone. Because, you know, when I went into graphic design again, I was naive enough to think it is part creative and part technical. So I can still bring mm-hmm. some of myself into that. And I could to a certain extent, but at the end of the day, you're creating for someone. And, right, you are, exactly. you, and you're realizing someone else's vision. And that was very frustrating to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I just ended up very, very frustrated by the whole thing. And I just thought, you know, it was such a struggle to get into graphic design. Uh, like I made actual sacrifices, you know, to be there and then to be working for someone that doesn't necessarily respect your vision or like, 
I don't know. I just didn't feel really good about that. I just felt, you know, they did all of that just to do something for someone else, you know. So, yeah, I, I stopped working there. And then I thought, because still I didn't know what I wanted to do, as in I still loved, you know, being a graphic designer, but yeah. I was not sure about, you know, being an in-house graphic designer or like, you know, it felt a little bit limiting to me. Yeah. So I decided to go uh, and do freelance. And the idea was that I would work, you know, in all sorts of different settings and I would be able to see, because so far I, I didn't like, I was an in-house graphic designer for most of the time. Then I was um, a designer in an agency for like a year and that was very interesting, but like I didn't get to explore that many, you know, different settings and environments. Mm -hmm. So I thought that would be an excellent occasion to just see what's out there. And maybe then I would be able to see which setting is, is the best for me. Yeah. Uh, but I ended up working <laughs> for just one company yeah. <laughs> for a while. And then I was just like, okay, I don't think this is happening for me. So I just started um, doing illustrations for myself because I was frustrated in my day job. So mm. I just needed like an outlet to do my own thing for once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is when I actually started illustrating and like drawing for myself because before that, I was not much of an illustrator at all. Like um, I was just not very good at drawing not that I'm very good now but again it was just not even something that I would think about interesting <laughs> that's so that's interesting to hear because I mean what your work is now is illustration and drawing um and I always find it really fascinating that often we choose the creative thing that we don't always feel we're really good at but we just feel kind of called to it or drawn to it for some reason I'm actually this similar with dance I did a lot of art when I was little and dance was always the thing that I found the most challenging. And yet somehow now it's my career. So it's it's really interesting to hear that kind of parallel. I know it, it's it's crazy. Like, yeah, maybe five years ago, if you told me I would be an illustrator, I would have loved, you know, or if you had told me that when I was still studying, because when we were studying graphic design, we had like um, a class, you know, of, we were doing illustration, we were doing lots of different uh, topics. But illustration mm -hmm. was the one that I was struggling so much at. I'm, I'm pretty sure if you had told anyone that at the time, I would have been the first to laugh and probably other people too. Because <laughs> I was really bad. And also I have that bad um, tendency to, you know, if I try something, and I'm not good at it straight away. I just don't continue. Mm, yeah. So how did you end up continuing eventually then? Was it just because you were so frustrated with it, with your other job you just needed some sort of creative outlet yeah I just needed an outlet and I think also why it didn't work before is because I didn't have like one like topic I was passionate about you know mm, within illustration yeah. when I started illustrating again it was because I was frustrated and also because you know I had things that I wanted to express and I, I just couldn't express them with words and yeah. so it was just you know the outlet that I found to express them into and also I think it's because it was very personal like it was not work related um so yeah it was just from me and it was for me and then I started you know I wanted to just draw about you know women and but it was never like 
I didn't decide, well, from now on, I'm just going to draw about, I don't know, women's rights and things like that. It's just, you know, I would read something like hear things in the news and just like it would frustrate me. And then I just needed like an outlet to um, make something out of that frustration. I think, yeah, that's the word, like all along with illustration, it, it came from frustration. And I think it's interesting. A lot of it still comes from that. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also interesting because I think when it's not your profession, when it is just something you start on the side, there's so much freedom in that. You know, no one's holding you accountable to how it looks or what it ends up like. You're just doing it from these like seeds of ideas that you have. Exactly. And also like before I was I was doing a little bit of illustration in my um graphic design job, but that's yeah. just because my style, I think in anything I do, is never like super clean or like super sleek. And I always want to have that sort of quirky and like imperfect, you know, touch to it. So yeah. I liked to like incorporate a bit of illustration, but it was always object. It was never people because I was never good at drawing people. And now I only mm. draw people. So yes. Yeah, that's so interesting. <laughs> now that's become kind of your signature. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, it's funny because um, the last job that I had before I was um, doing freelance my title was actually um, content uh, designer and illustrator because they wanted mm -hmm. me to like you know I had to like draw some uh, like objects and like products and things like that mm -hmm. and just I think when I saw the title it I don't know I think something sort of clicked you know mm -hmm. for me and I, I don't know why I waited to see you know this word being in my title mm. or actually thought you know maybe I can do that you know yeah yeah it was a strange path to, to arrive uh, at illustration and I think I would have never gotten into that like straight away that's for sure yeah yeah it was actually necessary to like go into all this you know weird like <laughs> details yeah. to actually arrive to illustrate yeah, I think that's what you need sometimes is this like history that you bring with you and taking these steps to where you ended up. And it's interesting, too, that you needed to see that word in your job title. I think it can be so hard for us to be validated in artistic professions. Um, and I do think one of the steps to getting to that is kind of seeing someone else place that on you, even if that's not, you know, all that it is. Um, it definitely helps as part of that process. Definitely. Like, I think that you know, well, I'd like to think that personally, I don't need, you know, people's approval or validation, but right. I think I still, you know, seek it in it to a certain extent and to see that word into my title, like it, yeah, it was just like, well, you know, someone is calling me that and it's my actual job. So, yeah, maybe I, you know, maybe I, I can be an illustrator, you know. Yeah, I think it kind of, I mean, I agree, you know, it'd be great to get to a point where we, where we don't need that external validation. But I think that's part of like the, the life process of working in creative arts is, you know, trying to slowly get over that. Um, but it is, it's like it gives you this permission, this like first permission, like, yes, you can do this. And especially if you haven't been given that in the past, um, I think that can be really powerful. Yeah, in a way, it's, it's, uh, it's quite limiting because... You know, we always, or like, I don't know, not everyone, but me. Um, I don't know, sometimes it's like, yeah, you need for to wait for that permission. But like, it's quite sad, you know, like if no one mm. sees something in you, then you're never going to actually go for it in a way, even though you yeah. have it in you. But then 
it's like you you wait until you did something big you know before calling yourself this or that or before pursuing you know an interest mm. it's like I don't know yeah <laughs> yeah it is I know it is sad it, it takes a lot of like inner perseverance to get to that I think yeah something I think is really interesting is this idea that you've talked about a couple times of being useful and practical. I grew up actually with artist parents. And so I really, you know, truly believe that art has this practicality and it's useful and necessary in our society. Um, and I just think it's really interesting your journey to kind of integrating all of those things in your life, integrating that like wanting to be useful to society with art making, um, because your art is so message based. Um, and I've seen you use the word, you know, activism a lot in describing your work. Um, and so I'm curious, what do you, how would you describe, first of all, kind of an artist activist within what you do? Well, this is another funny one, because I've never called myself an activist. Again, that's yeah like something that people would describe me as but I would oh interesting okay yeah like again it's not something that I would feel you know like that I'm legitimate enough you know mm -hmm. to call myself that but like people would call me that because obviously the topics that I you know illustrate about and I I think yeah more and more like you know the more you learn and and the more you you're aware of things and to me, illustration, when I started, was always very personal and it was, again, from a place of frustration. So mm -hmm. I would get frustrated into seeing that, you know, women's rights, you know, they haven't gone that far after all this time and, like, you know, so many injustices. And I would just, especially, I just need to, like, express it somehow and maybe then make it useful by, you know, um, like just like doing like a fact-based illustration and like raise awareness about a particular mm -hmm. topic so some some people actually would call me that but yeah. I, would never, I would never call myself an activist because That's so to interesting. me I'm like I'm not you know I'm not doing enough mm. you know and to, in my sense I'm not doing enough to call myself that because for me it would be like you know I don't know someone who changed the law someone who's campaigning someone mm. I don't know, I, I never feel that I'm doing enough in one area to be um, okay with calling me something. Now, for now, I'm, I'm, ha I'm happy, you know, to call myself an illustrator. Uh -huh. And then, you know, I illustrate about things that I care about. That's something that I would say. Yeah, <laughs> I think I probably read other people then calling you kind of an <laughs> activist artist instead. That's very interesting. What are some of the core messages that you find yourself working with a lot in your art? I know, you know, being a woman, womanhood is a really strong one. Um, so could you talk about maybe that and if there are any others that come up a lot in your work? Yeah, I mean, also, I, I don't just illustrate about um, like heavy, you know, and important. Yeah, that, no, absolutely that, not. <laughs> But I mean, that's also why I wouldn't, you know, necessarily call myself this or that because mm. I don't want to, you know, I sort of put myself in a box, but I also don't think, because I'm not only doing that, I just feel like I, you know, I should not, you know, yeah. have that sort of uh, title or something. But yeah. um, I illustrate about, basically about the things I like. So, you know, lots of plants, like coffee yeah. and like womanhood, you know, lots of, I think, yeah, my art is quite, you know feminine really yeah um, and when I can I I'd like also to, my art to 
be cheerful you know like mm-hmm. I, I don't want to create art that is you know just makes people miserable <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah I, I I create a lot of maybe the more like sort of activist related work um is a lot around women's rights and mm-hmm. that's obviously because I'm a woman and also because you know I'm quite appalled to find that you know in in 2021 we're still like so far from um you know any form of equality really mm-hmm. and but like then you know with being a woman then there are like lots of other intersections that come into play and mm-hmm. you know it's you can be a woman you can be a woman of color can be a black woman and then it's just you just realize that you know the more you learn that all the topics you know are interconnected and mm-hmm. you know the whole structure of society is interconnected that you can't just you know talk about one topic you know like women's rights is is a topic but then there's so many things you know linked to that like the gap that we can have in healthcare mm-hmm. um uh like the rights of the garment workers that's something uh so like I've, I've um, connected with um, a platform that is called Remember Who Made Them, and mm-hmm. they advocate uh, for um, the rights, you know, of garment workers, and they are linked with like lots of unions and you know people and garment workers themselves who are, you know, pushing for better work conditions and things mm-hmm. like that. And that's also why, like, I would not call myself an activist because I know some, you know, lots of people are doing lots more than yeah. illustrations. So I don't, don't think that would be fair. Um, but I'm very happy to um, be able to use, you know, the medium of illustration to amplify the message and to just mm-hmm. spread the message. Um, yeah, very happy and actually grateful for that, that I can do something that I like, but I, it is useful in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we do is, you know, we use the skills that we have in the toolbox we have in order to help these causes that we're so passionate about. I think that's... I think that has so much value in itself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we all have, you know, different skills and we can all help. Like, now, definitely, I don't think that only certain jobs are important. Like, it's not that I felt before that certain jobs were important and certain not, but it's just mm-hmm. in the context of being, you know, the daughter of immigrants that you mm. your parents have made sacrifices and you sort of have to... Um, I don't honor their choices in a way and like yeah. not not waste the opportunity they wanted to to give you. So that's why, you know, in that context, I felt like certain jobs wouldn't be like fair to thrive for in a way. Um, mm. But definitely, I think that we all have different skills and we all have the ability to, we're all bringing something. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. I think so much of your work also touches on this idea of identity and a lot of what you've been talking about also is like this uh, defining other people's identities, but also bringing forward your own personal identity to the table um, in service of others, in service of your work. And so I'm wondering, do you have this sense that your artistic work does explore your own personal identity? I think so. I think it's also like on sort of an unconscious level, at least for now. Like, I think that's something I would like to explore like more and maybe like more intentional with that like and actually you know explore that properly but definitely you know as I said before I really think that I've been absorbing so many things you know uh, throughout my life and obviously it you know when I 
illustrate something when I create something it comes from me so like it's it goes through the filter of who I am and then part of that is going to translate to you know who am I like as a person like um and uh, like what is my identity uh what is my vision of the world so I think yeah definitely I mean it's, it's completely subjective and so mm. yeah, obviously it's going to have the marks of who I am and like what I believe in and like what values are important to me. I think people are, when they see um, my Instagram, I think they, they have a good idea of who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I quite like, you know, in a way, because yeah. then, uh, people who reach out to me, you know, whether it's like for, a, you know, a job or, you know, just like to have a chat or like for a podcast. They, like this, yeah. <laughs> like they already know you know what I am about so like we're already aligned you know mm -hmm. on a certain level obviously if someone doesn't agree at all with you know what I do like they wouldn't come and talk to me so mm -hmm. I think it's yeah I'm actually quite um happy about that like as in you know it's actually really interesting you know it's it's hard to connect with people sometimes and then this is a tool that just allows me to connect with like-minded people yeah definitely well I was so drawn to your work um I just love the bright colors the warmth and then of course the Moroccan touches I just loved that immediately um and I've I've seen you and heard you talk about also this kind of multiculturalism impacting your work um and I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more about that again like I I think it's it's just like part of who I am in the in the sense that I was raised with like having friends with different, you know, cultures. And um, we would like travel back to Morocco, like every couple of years uh, at home, like we would have, you know, different traditions from maybe other people at school. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, I think I just always love that mix of identities and of like, you can be French and you can be Moroccan and you can, you know, and you can just, bring everything together and you can you know sort of combine all the traditions together mm -hmm. um so yeah I think it's just like lots of different things that I picked up on and I probably the love of color is also from that <laughs> like I'm quite you know yeah. drawn to colors and like to, to bright and like cheerful colors and I love patterns and I love craftsmanship um mm -hmm. yeah it's just like everything I love I think then it, it comes out when I draw <laughs> yeah was was there ever a point where that was challenging for you kind of bringing together these cultures um I don't think so like do you mean like growing up or in yeah yeah I've just heard you know I think it can be hard when you have so many different places that you call home um, to start to kind of merge those identities and find a sense of belonging. Um, it's something I've even thought about, um, and I have seen friends and family, you know, think about um, living abroad and moving around and being a part of these different cultures. And how do you kind of blend all of that? And how do you, how do you find that belonging? So maybe it's maybe because you grew up with it, it is just really naturally a part of you, and that's beautiful. But I was just curious if that's something you've kind of thought about. No, that's actually a good point. I think when I was in France, I was just you know, sort of quite sure that I was both Moroccan and French because, you know, mm -hmm. I was born there, I was raised there. French is my my main, you know, language. It's my mother tongue. That's the first language I spoke. That's the language that I can speak 
you know the best yeah um and then I knew that was also Moroccan because you know both my parents are from Morocco and we would also speak you know Moroccan at home and we have the traditions and you know all the rituals so to me to a certain point it was quite obvious that I was both but also Mm -hmm. I do. I did have that feeling that I was in between, and I was not French enough and not Moroccan enough. That's for sure. Right. If I go to Morocco, they know I'm not from Morocco. You know, yeah. even though I might look Moroccan, but right. the way that I I dress and the way that I even stand or the way that I look at people in the eyes, that's one <laughs> thing that they tell me a lot. Is they know that I'm not Moroccan. First of all, because you know I ne- don't necessarily dress as I don't know apparently I dress a little bit differently <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. that interesting I say it's my um the way that I look at people in the eyes that they find that it you know it tells them that I'm not from Morocco and I probably am French or something like that and I'm like oh, mm, I interesting didn't realize that but yeah lots of, like several people told me you know maybe if you you know even before you speak or anything they would pick up on the fact that I'm not you know from Morocco like I haven't mm-hmm. you know haven't been raised there so that was interesting yeah obviously then the minute I start talking you know the French accent comes up so that's not hard <laughs> to, <laughs> to guess <laughs> sure yeah. yeah but then in France yeah like sometimes obviously I have the feeling that I'm not maybe not French enough or I mean with everything that's happening now uh, you know with all like the laws and stuff that are being brought to light um we are also reminded that we are not that we are other that you mm-hmm. know our traditions and our language and you know um if my mother or my sister they're wearing you know um a headscarf they are reminded that they do not belong into public space or you know that they that you do not completely belong even though i mean it's funny because growing up when we were in school, it was always like, we are all brothers and sisters. We are, mm. you know, we are all French and diversity is amazing and, and you belong. And, I, you know, again, it's one another time that I'm happy I was naive enough to, you know, believe certain things. And I didn't grow up thinking I'm not French enough. I, I only discovered that, you know, when I was maybe around 18 or right. just before, actually, like, I think it was 18 because at some point I needed to actually go and I needed to confirm that I actually wanted the French nationality. Ah, okay. And I I was in shock because I thought for me I was born there. And um, I just, and I had like, you know, my national ID and everything. So I thought I was fully French. But then apparently there was that, you know, little... um, thing that we needed to do and like sort of confirm that we, we wanted that and then you receive like a paper and that shocked me because I just didn't realize that I was not you know <laughs> yeah how am I not French yeah no, I was, wow that's like, interesting yeah so I would say it's just like not like in the adulthood that I found that I am maybe it's not that obvious who mm. I am or like that it's a bit more complicated than I thought you know it it just became that I felt a little bit like in between the two uh, places and I just knew that would never 100% belong in any 
um, country, like any of those two, even though I thought that it was completely me. Um, yeah. And then I, I moved to London. And I don't know, London, I just always felt at home. The first time I, I came, it was with school and I was looking at everyone looking so different in the streets. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can have like someone, I don't know, like everyone is dressed super differently and yeah. one is bothered by that. You know, there was like ladies in headscarves. We had, uh, you know, uh, gentlemen in turbans and you had like punks within the leather jackets mm-hmm. and the colorful hair and you had like so many different styles cohabiting together obviously I know it's not it's not perfect either yeah but it was I mean it just really impacted me when I saw that in a way that I thought wow so people can just you know live together and be super different right. like it's just not staring at each other you know that was yeah just the image of that is... yeah like it's just it's normal like nothing is weird here you know <laughs> yeah so I really liked that um yeah. but <laughs> but <laughs> you know obviously with lockdown and everything uh, actually more like towards the beginning of lockdown because I'm an introvert and I overthink I started thinking about my identity again <laughs> I started thinking well really? you know my parents are Moroccan I was born and raised in France but now I live in London but where is my home? I actually sort of had a panic mm. moment thinking, I don't have a home. I don't know where I belong because here, like in London, it's just me and my husband. I have no family here. And he yeah. has no family either here. Like our family is in France and his family is actually in Mauritius because he's from Mauritius. Mm, okay. So yeah. Just adding to the mix. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. But I had like, yeah, like sort of a panic moment where I just, I just felt that I didn't have a home and I, I just felt sort of um, uprooted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I don't know, home now is just where you feel comfortable. Yeah, definitely. It's really interesting to talk about this and hear about this because I I just start to think about, you know, the more we work on our own personal identity, because the world right now, it's so divided, you know, there's so many things that are dividing us. Um, And if we have this sense of divisiveness in ourselves, that's already something really a struggle to deal with. But if we can start to work within ourselves and say, okay, I have this identity and this identity and how can I bring them together to be more comfortable, to make beautiful art about it and, you know, all of this, then that's a reflection back to the world, hopefully, um, to start to bring more identities together externally. no, yeah, and I just I I you know to bring it back to your work that's something I see you doing already is bringing all of these different identities together um, that either you interact with externally or that are within yourself um, and I think that's a very hopeful kind of image to see. Well, that's definitely what I hope that I can achieve. You know, just one drawing at a time. Just just <laughs> you know putting out there that there is you know you can have influences from different places and you we are more complex than just one thing yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's like the ands instead of the ors exactly like yeah i think sometimes we think about you know multiple or multiple identities that it's just like fragmenting you know like our identity when mm-hmm. we, as you say like it's more like and like it's pluses like we're all like we're mm-hmm. multiplying uh you know the different parts of us rather than fragmenting you know 
So yeah, definitely we need to think about that more as in this is a plus. This is not like something. It's not like an added struggle. It's like an added like, you know, it's richness and diversity and yeah, history. Yeah, exactly. I I'm always curious to ask this because I personally really like the language of um, artistic calling and feeling kind of called to something. And so I'm wondering if you have a sense of that with the work you're making. I don't like, I don't know. I would probably, I don't think again, there's that question of, you know, sometimes not feeling legitimate or important enough. So I would not feel important enough to, or like that my work is important enough that I, Mm. it's really a calling but at the same time I have a feeling that even if you know life had taken me in a different way I think I would have always came back to that Mm -hmm. so I'd I'd never actually thought about that (laughs) interesting I think that can be quite simply what it is that the fact that you do keep coming back to it I don't personally I don't know if it has to feel important right away maybe it does later in life but I think it is that like I I just have to keep coming back to this for some reason yeah no definitely I mean yeah it's just that I guess for me I always second guess you know certain Mm -hmm. things um I that's why you know sometimes I'd rather not put too many labels on me because I struggle with sort of not being an imposter but you know thinking am I you know important enough to call myself that or am I you know it's always am I enough to to be to have that label so I'd rather not stick too many labels on myself <laughs> yeah yeah and there's no need to I think <laughs> I really I appreciate how honestly you speak about that because I think it's I think all artists struggle with that unless you're a psychopath maybe <laughs> I don't know I truly think that you know any self-aware artist is going to be thinking these things I know I have doubts all the time about whether I can even call myself a dancer and yet I'm a person who dances so I, why couldn't I but it is it can be really hard when we have these moments of self-doubt about what we're doing um, and I, I love that you're still kind of in the process of this. I think that's beautiful. But I'm wondering if along the way you've started to find some tools or things that help you overcome this doubt in the moment of it. Um, I think I'm still looking for <laughs> those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah, I, now maybe something that's a little bit comforting is that I, you know, the more I talk to other artists and other creatives, I realized that I'm not the only one, you know, doubting myself and always, you know, wondering if I'm enough, mm-hmm. or if uh, what I'm doing is, you know, even matters. Um, so I guess there is a certain comfort in knowing that you're not the only one struggling. Yeah. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm still definitely still looking for uh, the tools to really overcome that. But yeah, I just I just try to, you know, move forward. <laughs> yeah yeah and just keep creating yeah that's i think that's the best thing that you know we can do yeah. as creatives because i guess you know introspection is really good to a certain extent like when you're a creator i think um we do a lot of that but i guess it's about not getting lost in that as well you know? yeah it's not spiraling into mm. like questions and, <laughs> and what ifs and <laughs> That's a good point, because I mean, I think sometimes we think 
that we have to think about everything, if that makes sense. But sometimes it does take us in this spiral that can be a little bit more self-destructive than productive for our work. Yeah, definitely. Like, for example, I was never an anxious person, but Mm -hmm. since, you know, I'm doing my illustrations and I'm working for myself, I have discovered anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. Oh, no. But yeah, I think it, it comes with that because yeah, you just, you know, ask yourself so many things and also like I'm an introvert. So like I always sort of, yeah, my world is like more internal than really external. Or mm-hmm. for example, I would wear very rarely like draw or like work from reference. I always like to do things like from memory or like from sort of my internal world mm. um, and not be too much in like ob- observation not in real time anyway like I observe the world and I want to like sort of digest and then I do something with it um but yeah definitely the danger is to just you know stay lost you know in your internal world and then just you know lose track of the real world so still still trying to find balance with that (laughs) yes me too honestly um but I think conversation is really good like you said having other artists to speak to and get some perspective of oh you're going through this too and maybe it looks a little bit different and it's very helpful yeah I think it's yeah it's really helpful like I've I've connected with lots of other artists um through Instagram actually and like Mm -hmm. and um you know, markets, because before I was doing like crafts, you know, markets in London before the pandemic. Yeah. So yeah, it was actually, it was actually really useful to speak to other people that are exper- experiencing the same thing and, you know, other makers and creatives. And, and sometimes it's just helpful to just talk about it at all. And then it's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're relieved from that weight and like, okay, you can move forward. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, do you have a sense of where you'd like your work to go moving forward? Um, or is it kind of a go with the flow process? Yeah, I think I, I just go with the flow because otherwise it just, uh, again, I'm going to start thinking too much and it's going to start <laughs> being scary. So I just, and I'm also, I'm very, um, I, I go a lot with my instinct uh, with, like pretty much everything I do, like the decisions I take. And like, it's never really about, I don't know, like picking a career or something. It was not about uh, like financial security, even though I should have, and like, it, it is important, <laughs> but you know, like it's always the choices that I make are very much, yeah, like, like about gut feelings and instinct. So yeah. I just, I just do the same thing with my work. I just go where I feel like, you know, I want to go and I, I see what happens. One good thing is that I realized recently that illustration is the one thing that I actually pursued like consistently because I'm mm. I'm very you know I'm a person who just I like to learn about things and I like to start projects but I don't like to do the same thing you know like pick my lane and just stick to it. Yeah. But with illustration, I actually, I think it's the longest that I committed to something. Wow. And especially like to a personal project. Because again, you know, I would probably always put like other, you know, people's projects first before, you know, mm-hmm. working on my own things. 
So it's the first time that I, I've been working for myself for so long. Wow. Just been committing to one thing and being consistent with one thing. So I'm happy with that. <laughs> That's amazing. I like that, you know, just kind of going with your instincts, going with the flow. It's definitely how I work too. And yeah, it's, it's always exciting and surprising to see where that can bring you. Yeah, definitely. Are you working on anything currently, any projects or anything you'd like to speak about? Mm -hmm. So I started, um, again, just like this is an exploration and experimentation. Started playing with paint. So we'll see where that takes me. Like it is not mm -hmm. for a, a specific project. It's not for a client. It's, it's just for me, for one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just cur curious myself to see what is going to come I mean, you know, from that. And also, I just cool. wanted to, you know, step from like um, the screens and because I, I right. draw on my iPad and I draw on Photoshop and that sort of thing. And it's actually yeah. great to draw on the iPad because you can draw from anywhere. Like I can go to the yes. park and just, so that's great. But yeah, I just wanted to have something, you know, tangible yeah. in my hands and just like, and, and experience how hard it is to like, you know, create the right color, right? Actual yeah. paint, because usually, also, like I don't work for like, I don't create like a palette, or for my illustration, and then just, but it's more like I visualize a color, mm -hmm. and then I can pick it straight away, like on the digital palette. I can just, yeah, you know, pick it very easily, but then to recreate that with actual paint. I realized that it's another story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's more like unexpected and it's, yeah. I, so I try to go with the flow on that. And I just try to have fun. Like I bought like, like several mini uh, canvases, like quite small. Um, and I just, I just started like painting things and I, We'll see where that takes me. So yeah, that's fun. It sounds like a good, challenging new process. <laughs> yeah, like I try, I try to, you know, once I become maybe comfortable with something, then I try to introduce something else. So it's like I stay consistent with working on like illustrations and visuals, but then I can still. That's the beauty of it. I can still mix it up with, you know, trying different mediums or trying different subjects or trying different things so yeah that kind of leads perfectly into something that I always like to ask near the end which is do you have any things you do daily that help enhance your creative life um <laughs> I, I don't think so I mean that's another thing like I'm not a consistent person I am not someone who has you know like a morning routine or videos mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm very like I was going to say disorganized, but it's not that. Um, unstructured. Okay, yeah. I'm very unstructured. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so the one thing that I do every day is drawing something. Yeah. But other than that, and drinking coffee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but other than Those that. Those are rituals. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know. But yeah, I no, Like, I, I always try and, you know, make myself... You know, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, okay, I need to have, you know, like a morning, nice morning ritual, like all these people who share their morning rituals, you know, on Instagram. And stuff. I need to do that with my life. But it's just so unnatural for me. Like I never, yeah. maybe I can stick with it for like a week, but then, you know, I, it, I come back to being very, like, I don't know, maybe I wake up and I go, 
straight to my emails or I go, I don't know, I do something or then I, I drink my coffee straight away. I don't know. I, I just not, it's not very dreamy, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, I think everyone is so different with these things. And I, I'm wondering now, as I talk to you, if I should rephrase this question, <laughs> because I actually appreciate hearing the yes and the no okay. answers, because I think when people say no, that's equally as interesting and because, it, you know, everyone's just so different with how they like to structure or not structure their days. Um, and I think we can learn different things from that or resonate with different things. So I appreciate that you don't at all. Um, and I, I love hearing from that. And it, I think it gives more permission not to. Yeah. Yeah, I guess not, not having a ritual is sort of a ritual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Waking up with lots of possibility. Yeah, exactly. What's going to happen today? <laughs> exactly. I love it. Um, is there anything that's been inspiring you lately in your current processes? This month I've been, you know, I felt more like overwhelmed than inspired. So, mm. but that's very much now I accept that, but it's still, um, you know, sort of a little bit of a struggle when you're in a phase where you feel, you know, overwhelmed by things. Um, but yeah, I mean, creativity and inspiration really comes in waves. So yeah, about riding that wave and like, yeah, some moments like, yeah, now it's, it's quite overwhelming. And, and then I know that very soon I'm going to feel inspired to do lots of things again. So, yeah. 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 I think that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> no worries. Well, Sakina, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. It's been really inspiring to hear about all these processes you're in. And it was just such a joy to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was really nice to talk to another creative Thanks. person and just yeah. speak. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. For links to find out more about Sakina and her work, head over to the show notes at processpiece.com. You can also follow this podcast on Instagram or Facebook at processpiece and get these episodes delivered directly to your inbox along with a whole lot of extra inspiration by subscribing to my Sunday newsletter via rubyjosephine.com slash subscribe. If you've been enjoying Process Piece, I would so appreciate you choosing to support this podcast in any or all of three ways. One, leave a rating and review on iTunes. Two, share your favorite episode with a friend or on social media. And three, make a contribution at buymeacoffee.com slash rubyjoe. A huge thanks again to Sakina for this wonderful conversation. Thank you to Cooper Lee Smith for creating the original music for this podcast. And a special thanks to you for listening.